Good evening. Good evening. It's cold. This is the first of the fall, winter, do this in the living room. It's a shift. I don't think we had a fall. I did. Yeah, it's good. I turned it on this week. I did turn it on this week. I know. I know. I, I'm really grateful that I winterized the bees, so A plus there. And God willing, they'll make it through another winter. Let me read Psalm 133. I'll pray for us. And then we're going to talk about Halloween. It's going to be fun. I'm excited. Um, actually, I'm going to do that in the other order. Let me pray, then I'm going to read Psalm 133. Let's pray. Father, we're so incredibly grateful for our family gathered here, for safe return of our family, and for safe passage of our friends um, here. And so, Lord, we ask you to bless us in this time. Um, bless us as we plan on how we can feast with joy so the whole world can see just how wonderful you are, Lord. And so uh, bless us in that work. Allow safe travel home for everybody on this cold night. And uh, keep us warm, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mounds of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, to God. Thanks be to God indeed. I do like that it's hoodie weather. That does make me pretty happy. I even wrote this one. I wrote this the other day. I said in the beginning, it's good to see everybody and it's so cold. And I was right. So it is so cold. But welcome to season change. And with this little season change, we're actually going to take a two-week break. So this week um, and next week, we're going to take a break from the Westminster Confession of Faith. And then we'll probably pick it up, and then I'm not sure what we'll do during Advent, if we'll continue on the confession or if we'll do something else that'll align with what the church, what we'll be doing for the church at Advent, because if you can believe this, we're almost a month away from Advent. Uh, I think this coming, so not this Sunday, not tomorrow, but the week from is a month from Advent. So, in our break this week, we're going to talk about the incredibly polarizing topic in the church that is Halloween. So that's going to be cool. And then next week, we have a special guest speaker, and I'm really excited about this. It's Dr. Steve Martin, not related to the actor, but he's from the New Hope Foundation. And Dr. Steve is a physician that runs an orphanage in China that cares for physically and mentally disabled children. And they care for about 100 kids. And he's going to come and share here at the Outpost and talk about what New Hope does. And then he's going to stick around after church on Sunday and we're going to open that up to other local churches in the local area and hopefully bring them to table and get them to have an opportunity to interact with Dr. Steve and the really incredible work that he's doing. So I'm super excited about that. So we have kind of a, a two-week pause, and then we'll jump back into the Westminster Convention of Faith, and then it'll be Advent, and you guys know how it goes. So tonight, I want to talk about Halloween, which interestingly is a polarizing topic within the church. And it's kind of funny because the pendulum for Halloween swings, I think, in two directions. So I, the liberal groups that identify as churches <laughs> seem not to really care. And then what they'll do is they'll also throw like some kind of low quality trunk or treat situation going on. Um, they want to make sure that the Christians stay away from any potentially weird looking pagan influences, but still give out free candy. And then you have the other end of the spectrum, which is usually found in, I would say, uh, churches that would view the Bible predominantly in the manner that we do. They, they believe it's the actual Word of God. And then they, they sometimes have this tendency to hide out in the basement. Just let's, let's just go to the basement and get this one terrible evil night over with, 
and turn the lights in the house off and don't interact at all. Or maybe they're like, let's have a Reformation Day party. And maybe it's, hopefully it's kind of cool. Keep the door locked. And keep, we keep the door locked every day. Make sure that the front porch light is off. So the question then becomes, what is the right approach to Halloween? How should Bible-believing Christians deal with this holiday that is actually pretty polarizing within the church? How should Bible-believing Christians handle this made-up holiday? So the answer is actually in what I just said. It's a made-up holiday. It, it's an absolute made-up holiday. So knowing that it's a made-up holiday should influence our approach of how we're going to approach and interact with Halloween. So that's what I want to do tonight. I want to talk about the approach that we've taken here in the house in the last few years, why we do the things that we do, and I want to encourage all of you to use nights like Halloween as this great tool to go spread the gospel, to evangelize. So, but before we do that, I figured it would be helpful for us to like have a little bit of a, a brief overview of the history of Halloween. And a concise, non-argued history over the origins of Halloween is incredibly difficult to find. So in my very brief, very short preparation and research for this, because I am no PhD student in Halloween studies, Halloween, from what I can figure, the most kind of general consensus, Halloween is known as All Hallows' Eve, and its origins are, are in the early church. And it's actually at the beginning of a liturgical season called All Hallow Tide, and that's celebrated by Roman Catholics. And then within some Protestant groups, like some Lutheran groups and some of the Anglican groups, celebrate this liturgical season called All Hallowtide. And what I do know is that Pope Gregory III instituted October 31st as All Hallows' Eve, the day before All Saints' Day. And I want to say it was in sometime like 700, 800 AD. I forgot to write the date down. But the actual like All Hallows' Eve, All Hallowtide, this liturgical time was instituted by a Roman Catholic pope. Pope Gregory III, pretty early. Now, there's all these disagreements about traditions and about influence. Some believe that it was actually a Celtic holiday that Christians then took over, that the Celts had a holiday and then the Christians took over. Others believe that it was first a pagan or a church holiday that the pagans stole. But there's, there's nobody really knows because it's actually not in the Bible at all. It doesn't exist as a part of biblical text. But what we do know is that there was a holiday at some point where the church normally fasted the day before in preparation for a day they call All Saints Day. And All Saints Day, which is known as Hallow Mass, the word hallow just means saint. Halloween, All Hallows Eve, All Saints Eve. Hallow Mass, so it, the All Saints Day, was this holiday that was celebrated for the departed saints the martyrs of the Christian faith. Now, the, the Anglican Church in the Protestant tradition recommends doing baptisms on that day. That's, that's kind of their thing, is you should baptize babies on that day. It was a day of feasting and remembrance. And so this three-day period of All Hallowtide concludes on the third day with All Souls Day. So you have All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, All Souls' Day, when All Souls' Day was also called the commemoration of all the faithful departed. And the Anglicans and Lutherans, they still pray a prayer on that day called the Office of the Dead. So one interpretation I also read about these three days, and I like this, was that they were originally a ritualistic way to remember the flood. All Hallows' Eve was the evil before the flood. All Saints' Day is the feasting and celebrating of those who were saved in the flood. And All Souls were celebrating those who would repopulate the earth. So I, I kind of like that. I thought that was kind of an interesting interpretation. But now this is where it gets really weird. 
In the Roman Catholic Church, they believe in this thing called purgatory, which, like Halloween, is not in the Bible. <laughs> and so, purgatory and Halloween, neither of which are in the Bible. And so there was this time period, especially for the Roman Catholic Church, would be this time period of prayer where they would pray for people that they were worried or like stuck in purgatory. I think corporate America is actually purgatory. So we should pray for people to get out of that as, <laughs> as quickly as possible. So this would be a time when they would like pray for family members and pray for their souls in purgatory. And there was also a heretical view that some people took that on Hallows, All Hallows' Eve, oh yeah, we got to get the money. money. Gotta, well, we're going we're gonna to get to indulgences. So <laughs> then there was this other heretical view, not in the Bible, that on All Hallows' Eve, the veil between the world and the afterlife thinned. So people would dress up in costumes so that the souls wouldn't recognize them. They put on a disguise. I mean, when you actually think about that, the whole thing's incredibly absurd. Like, it's absolutely, 100%, totally absurd. But that's where we get our tradition of trick-or-treat from, this idea of <coughs> tricking the souls, of wearing costumes and tricking souls. But there's also other important things that took place on October 31st. October 31st, 1517, this is the day when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses, or is it thesi or theses, I don't know, to the doors of the Wittenberg Cathedral. And if you haven't read them, you should. I can give you a copy of them. They're really pretty incredible. But the date was no coincidence either. You know, Luther, who had 95 problems and the Pope was number one, was fighting against all the heretical policies and positions of the Roman Catholic Church, specifically the selling of indulgences, this idea that you could do like a cash transaction to get some free sin passes. He was a priest. He was. He was. He was a lawyer beforehand, yeah. And so we call that day Reformation Day because that was the day that Martin Luther nailed, literally went up and nailed his statements to the cathedral door to say why the Catholic Church was heretical. October 31st, 1517. Yeah, so that's why that's why you end up with this other tradition where Christians immediately fight back. Oh no, no, we don't celebrate Halloween. It's Reformation Day, um, and it is actually Reformation Day. We're going to talk about all that and how we celebrate here in a little bit. But now look what I think it's kind of fitting that that this took place Reformation Day while Luther's fighting against these heretical things because I'm talking about people praying about purgatory. Because look what Luther says about purgatory later. Purgatory is the greatest falsehood because it is based on ungodliness and unbelief for they deny that faith saves and they maintain that satisfaction for sins is the cause of salvation. So then that leads to the Protestant Reformation, which we are a part of, right? The Bible becoming available. That's right, Bible becoming available. So many Christians deciding that they don't want to be remotely associated with Halloween, especially if they're part of the Reformed tradition, they go, well, it's Reformation Day. We're going to celebrate the creation of the Protestant Church. So I don't know what you do on Reformation Day. You just have a party and dress up like Martin Luther? I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. So, it's true. Then you'd be wearing a costume. So here's the brief. That's the brief history. You got All Hallows' Eve. You have some disagreement on whether or not it was a church holiday first or a pagan holiday. And then you have it, it's changed, obviously, into what it looks like now. And then you also have this other event that happens to take place that's Reformation Day, which is an important piece of church history. It's not a holiday, but it's an important piece of church history. So what do we do with all this? What do we as a church that believes the Bible is the Word of God, we want to stay faithful to what He's told us to do, what do we do about Halloween in 2023? So personally, my original thought was, I feel like we should go around and nail stuff to heretical churches' doors. But then I figured I'd probably get charged with some type of criminal mischief and, you know, 
cameras. They all have cameras now. So, just so since the name wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. It's so, <laughs> I don't even know who that guy is. Who's that? Yeah, who's that? Um, <laughs> so, so if we can't go around nailing stuff to stuff, if that's not the solution, what do we do? Well, here's the first thing: we shouldn't hide. We we we, we shouldn't hide. Um, that that's really important. There is no need for hiding in the basement. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. You're God's people. Like, do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So even the, the gross stupidity next door, like it can't hurt you. Right? It can't conjure up evil to attack you. It's just gross and disgusting. Like, and it's poorly done. It's, it's rubber masks and fake blood, and it's just kind of dumb. And actually what, what it makes me think is it makes my heart sad. Like this is literally the highlight of their decorations year is how murdery the murder scene with the body parts and the goo hanging out of the thing on the table that's now inches closer to our yard every year. Right? It, they're excited about decorating their house in murder. And what that says to me is, you need Jesus. Like you, that, There's actually a lot of joy. You can have a really good time. Like Life is really great. And here's the other reality, truthfully. I don't think Halloween's the devil's holiday. I, I really don't. Now, that doesn't mean that, that evil isn't glorified by a lot of people. But the devil doesn't come looking like that. Like the devil doesn't come dressed up like, like any of that, right? I mean, if, if the devil came looking like that, you would know right away. You'd be like, dude, go away. That's gross. How does the devil, the devil look? Well, the devil comes, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, and no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, right? The, the devil comes as the doctor that tells women that abortions are health care. The devil comes and says, just take your 19th booster shot. This is going to make you feel so much better. The devil comes as an angel of light. The devil comes and says, no, your career is more important than, than your God, or, or your bank account is actually what's going to save you. That was the lie the devil told me forever. Your bank account's where your salvation is going to come from. That's what the devil comes. He doesn't come looking like that. You'd know it. <laughs> the, the, the dangerous part about Satan is that it's not that he comes in a Jason costume. It's that he... he tries to trick you into believing that what he's telling you is actually right. And so I think that's really important for us to remember when we look at the grossness and the evilness of what the pagans put on display, because it'll help us love our neighbor a lot better. And it'll help us interact with these things like in humor and hilarity, instead of like running away, screaming, yelling, going, oh, it's so evil. I mean, it's portraying really evil things, but it's mannequins. It's, it's really dumb. And so we, we want to go and love our neighbor, both the, the physical ones there and, and our, our neighbors in our greater community, right? And so when we see things like this, which remind us as, as Christians in the Great Commission, is that those are places that need light. And we can do that by kind of making a mockery appropriately, the serrated edge appropriately of how silly those things are. You can mock the grossness and point out the grossness of the display you can use it as like the perfect talking point of the misguided nature of our culture. Especially when you see all the cars that have now been sent down our street because of like the online social media stuff to come see this. And then what it should remind you is everyone's got a sin problem. <laughs> Everybody needs Jesus. 
And because we're not afraid of it, we can just see and know it's all plastic. All of that is plastic that can't hurt you at all. So how do we respond? Well, what we should do is we should feast and we should celebrate and we should do it really loud. You see, the pagans have turned Halloween into this big celebration. So the best response for us to do is turn into a bigger celebration for God. Have a better party. I, I have... I have been thinking about this as I was this week and just kind of preparing for what I wanted to say tonight and then actually for Tuesday. It's like, we, we need to out-party the pagans. I mean that really seriously. We need to be having the most joyful, mo- most um, um, God-honoring times, like, like we do here every week. Community, a building. community yeah. building. I mean, we, we are people that actually live by this credo, 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. Like, it's all of the things. We, we are actually people of joy, <laughs> and we're joyful no matter what, like, persecution or, or anything befalls us because we're on the winning team. You're, you're God's people, and our work isn't lost. The earth isn't getting worse. The end is not near. We're actually living in this really glorious time. Like, you can drink the water out of your toilet. That's how prosperous it was. Now, I'm not recommending you try that, but the water in your toilet is still clean and potable. It's incredible. Like one other time and ever would you would would you be able to do that, right? We are we are in a prosperous time and it's getting better. Even though the economy is on on the edge of getting a lot worse. That was really good timing. If it had been like a, a lower, I said the economy's almost done. <laughs> but the economy's getting worse financially for whatever the period of time that's going to be. But God's economy is getting better. Like it's legitimately getting better, and we're the builders of that. Like, we're the builders of God's kingdom. We're, we're going to talk about this tomorrow as well, um, about our, our presuppositions of who Jesus is. It's, it's about when, when Jesus asks the disciples the most important question he asks them, who, who do you say that I am? And, and that guides everything else about the church and the, the gates of hell that, that can't even stand against the gospel. Like, it's so incredible, especially now as we think about the timing with this with Halloween. And you can see the fruits of theology that believes the end is near because it ends up manifesting itself in secular pagan culture like that. And that book that I'm reading called The Rise and Fall of Dispensationalism is tracing this this theological idea that the end is coming really soon. And it it started kind of in 1830 and it started in Ireland and moved to the States. And so it, it follows its movement into the U.S., but it also follows its cultural impact on how it's impacted... The, the greater church and actually the greater American um, community. And that's not the traditional historic biblical view at all. And so you can see that now it's a death and it's destruction and it's death. <laughs> we're the people who death is conquered for. Like, <laughs> we're the most, we should be the most joyful people in the world because we have nothing to be afraid of. Nothing. If God is for you, who can be against you? It's Romans 8.31. And so this is why we have to think about throwing bigger and better and more joyful parties. Always. And especially on these, these like manufactured pagan holidays. We should be throwing a bigger, better party. Because Romans 12.21 says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Did you have something? And we're the beacon of light. Yes. On a hill. And we don't hoard that in the basement. No. We go out, we go out to the community that's invited to our neighborhood to see death and see grotesqueness and remind them that there is light. Yes. Themselves. Amen. Do you remember the old Jehovah's or not the old Jehovah's Witnesses cartoons? Do you remember the old Far Side cartoons? Gary Larson. He did a, a cartoon and it was like a family of beanbags chairs. 
and it says, oh no, it was a family of blobs, and it was, they see the Jehovah's Witnesses coming, and it says, quick, everyone turn themselves into beanbag chairs and stay really still, they won't think we're home. <laughs> yeah, we don't hide in the basement and pull the curds, it's ridiculous. We're not to be overcome by evil, we overcome evil with good. So this should not be a time to let, this shouldn't get us down, like we shouldn't feel more depressed that Halloween is showing up. We should overcome evil with good. And see, Halloween is a mockery. Like, that stuff next door is a mockery of things that are good. And even Satan laughs at that. Like, even Satan's like, you're not doing it well. This isn't how you... Remember the screw tape letters? Like, that interaction, the screw tape letters, the way that, that the lesser demon's trying to manipulate the Christian is not through grotesque displays. It's, it's through rationalization of sinful behavior. And so what we should do is throw a big party that shows people how joyful we live so that the world can see that. And so we're going to do that by handing out candy. And we're going to hand out hot chocolate, and we're going to hand out stuff that's got the church logo, and we're going to talk to people, and we're going to love on them. And we're going to light a fire pit in the front, and we're going to share the gospel with people that evening, right? We're going to share with them. She's just, she's like, there's so many people, and I missed people. We're going to invite them to come taste and see that the Lord is good by the manner in which we interact with them. This is such an opportunity for us as a public people when, when these kinds of things take place to go out and, and love your neighbor and interact with them and show them the joyful Christian life. And, you know, fighting the devil and evil isn't something restricted for just one night. I think that's also kind of funny, too. Like, the church seems to be this, we're going to just fight Halloween for one night. You know, fighting devil, the devil and evil is something you need to do every single day. You have to, like... Yeah, absolutely. And, and to fight Satan in the places where he works in greater culture. And you get to like turn over tables and, and use a serrated edge when you have to do those things. But remember this, that when we fought a big battle, right? If you've had a strenuous battle, how do you celebrate a battle won? You have a feast. You feast. Come, men of Christ, be strong. With ale and fatty meats. Yes! Oh, it's such a good hymn. And bourbon. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a single... Sky of Scotch, but why bourbon too? Why don't we don't discriminate? Not even a little bit. Yeah, that's exactly right. We we have a big feast. We raise a glass in joy, and and you cheers that you are a soldier in an army that actually can't lose. We're going to talk about the beautiful thing about God's church tomorrow too. We don't ever have to worry about God's church because it's God's church, and our God's no winsome nice guy God. He's the King of Kings. That's what's really incredible, right? Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this justice, righteousness forevermore. The Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, our Mighty God, that's why we throw a big feast. We want people to experience the joy of the Lord. Because where, where does our strength come from? It, it comes from the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord. There's, I, I want to sing that too. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Now it's on the recording too. It's on the, it's on the recording. So I hope, I hope that you guys can come here and feast and celebrate with us and love on our neighbors. We get an incredible amount of people on this street because they post all over the interwebs to come see. And so they get to see the murder scene next door, and they get to see the kind of cool artistic thing across the street. But what we get, and, more, and there's more murder scenes down the street, but what we get to do is we get to show them how we fight and how we laugh and how we feast. 
And I'll, I'll close with this co uh, quote from Chesterton. And I put it in the bottom of my email signature because I just think it's great and I think it describes us to a T. It said, Jesus promised his disciples three things, that they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. And so uh, those are, <laughs> if anybody asks what our mission statement is, that's our mission statement. Amen? Amen. Let's sing.